Hello, and welcome to Chad's ADHD 365 podcast. This podcast is sponsored by Takeda, better health, brighter future. Hello, and welcome to ADHD 365. I'm your host, Susan Booning, and with me today is ADHD coach, Brittany Brousseau. Our topic today will be coping with change. We all know that ADHD and executive function impairments can make it difficult to deal with change. Finding effective ways to manage symptoms can help people with ADHD process and embrace changing circumstances. ADHD coaches help people with ADHD prepare for and adjust to changes large and small. So, Brittany, would you like to tell us a little bit about yourself? Yes. So, um, I'm an ADHD coach here in Ottawa through my company, Discovering Me and ADHD. And I'm also in collaboration with another wonderful company, Transform Together, also here in Ottawa. And it's awesome. Our companies kind of work together to offer services to different groups and clientele. And I specialize a lot in working with kids and youth and also with young adults who are going through a lot of transitions. I'm also somebody with ADHD myself. I'm 25 years old. I've had my ADHD diagnosis since the 11th grade. And in this conversation of transitions and going through change, I also have a lot of lived experience about that. And it's something that I'm really excited to talk about today. And I'm really excited to share a little bit about my passion for ADHD coaching, and a little bit of my lived experience as well, too, because I think that there's a lot of value in hearing other people's perspective who also have ADHD. Yes. So what is ADHD coaching and how is it different than therapy? Yeah. So this is a question that people ask a lot and there might be some overlap, but really what it comes down to is the specific services or support that you're looking for. So an ADHD coach is going to help you build life skills and find actionable steps, whereas a therapist is going to focus a lot more on emotional healing and working on mental health. That is not something that an ADHD coach is qualified to work on. Of course, emotions might come up in ADHD coaching because we can't really separate ourselves from emotions in our everyday life. But if your main goal is looking for like emotional healing, working with a therapist is definitely going to be your best option. However, if it's trying to find tools and strategies and learn a little bit more about yourself, reflect a little bit more about yourself in order to create actionable change, lifestyle changes in your day-to-day, then that's where you're really going to want to look into having an ADHD coach. The partnership is also a little bit different as well. I like to explain that in ADHD coaching, it's a little bit more of a level playing field partnership. We follow where the client wants to go. We believe that the client is the expert on their own experience. Well, the client is the expert on their own experience, but the client is the expert and we follow them. Whereas in therapy, your therapist is in that situation. It's a lot more clinical of a setting and they're a little bit more in that expert seat compared to in the coaching relationship. Now, how can someone tell if a coach is knowledgeable about ADHD? One of the first things that you're going to want to ask is if they have any ADHD coaching specific training. 
ADHD coaching isn't something that is overly regulated, but there are education programs and coaching programs that are specifically geared to help coaches learn how to be a life coach, but also in the concept of understanding ADHD and with an ADHD lens on it. Because ADHD coaching is not the same as typical life coaching. They might have similarities, but as we know, tools and strategies that help somebody who does not have ADHD often are not going to be able to copy and paste over to our ADHD brains. So asking them about what their coaching-specific training is a great place to start. Also, I always think that it's helpful if the coach has some type of lived experience with ADHD. Having ADHD themselves is great. A lot of us coaches have ADHD. Or being somebody who has been surrounded by people with ADHD their entire life, you know, maybe their partner or maybe their older sibling, maybe their mom, maybe their dad, maybe their child, but having that as well. And a great resource, there's lots of really great directories to help you find a coach. So the ACO is definitely a great place to look. They assess all of their coaches that are on that directory. And in order to be on the ACO, you have to have some level of education and ADHD coaching as well. So let's talk about life transitions. In what ways is coping with change different for someone with ADHD? Yeah, so it's never going to be a one-size-fits-all answer to that question. I like to say there are as many different types of ADHD as there are people with ADHD. So we're all going to have our own kind of challenge or differences. But of course, when we think about things such as, you know, being overwhelmed by change, So often when there's a change, it's going, especially major life transitions, when you think about going from high school to university and making that transition or transitioning from living with your parents to living on your own. Or for me, I have a big change coming up. I'm going to be moving cities. And one of the biggest uh, differences is there's going to be a lot of changes in the scaffolding that might exist in our day-to-day life already. Little things like the fact that I know that my grocery store is down the road and it's a three-minute drive and it's really easy for me to convince myself to get in the car and go there, as opposed to maybe when I move, it's going to be a much longer process. It's going to be a 15-minute drive. And I know that doesn't sound like much, but to somebody who has ADHD, where the more challenging it is to gain access to the task or start the task, the less likely it is that I'm going to do it and the more likely it is that I'm going to procrastinate it. So basically having to reassess and figure out those day-to-day things that somebody who doesn't have ADHD might not really think about and might not really have those struggles with. They're just like, oh, it's a 15-minute drive. That's an inconvenience. But those little issues or those little changes are going to have a really big impact. And I think that's one of the major differences with coping with change when we have ADHD is things that might seem small, not always that small. So how would a coach help someone with ADHD who's dealing with a life transition like divorce, starting college, or even starting an exercise routine? Yeah, absolutely. And again, every client's going to be different and every client's going to come in with their own experience and their own skills. And so that's the great place to start. A great place to start is always identifying the things that the client has already done and that is already working for them and trying to use that to inform 
how we're going to move forward. For example, if I know that I like to grocery shop in the mornings and when I move and that transition happens, I'm not going to decide to start grocery shopping in the evenings. I'm going to keep it in the mornings. It's basically if it don't, if it's not, if it's not broke, don't fix it. Right. So we're going to start with what is already working. Another thing that is often that I work a lot with, especially my young adults that are transitioning from high school into university is we identify the things that are maybe going to stay the same because we can find some comfort in the things that are going to remain stable. So for example, you might not be seeing your parents every single day anymore, but you can still talk to them every day if you give them a phone call. And there we're going to find some consistency in what is not going to change, as well as trying to think ahead about, okay, what are the things that are definitely going to change? And how can we create some type of tool or strategy or scaffolding around that to help make that process a little bit more seamless? There's going to be different times throughout the the transition or the change, and you're going to need to work on different aspects of it as you go through it. So again, I'll talk a lot from life experience with my move that's happening right now. One of the big things that I'm going to be struggling with over the next little bit is going to be the process of packing. What do I take? What do I leave behind? And working on that right now, because if I'm, you know, stressing right now about what's going to happen three months from now, when, you know, I need to get something from a store that isn't where it needs to be, that's not the main issue or the main challenge that we're having, that we're having in this moment. And so also as a coach, being able to help them with okay, what can we do now in the present and not necessarily always going too far ahead, bringing them back a little bit to the present or actionable steps in the here and the now. So how about something like starting an exercise routine? So one of the things that I always really suggest is we want to start small. When we have ADHD and we get super into something, we go head first. And that's great because that's where our motivation is. The problem is that we often make things way more complicated than they need to be in that moment because we're in our hyperfixation. We're pumped. We can't wait to get involved with this new exercise routine. And so we make this elaborate plan and we spend forever planning it. And it's, I'm going to go this day for two hours and that day for this long. And I'm also going to swim now. And I'm also going to join all these classes. And while I'm at this, you know, I'm going to learn this completely new sport that I've never tried before. And then four days later, the novelty wears off and we're just hit with this wave of overwhelm of what have I done? So learning to start small, rating it in and trying to create those realistic changes. So not trying to change everything all at once and implement everything all at once, but starting with incredibly achievable, small goals. So maybe it's not, I'm going to go to the gym every single day for one hour for the rest of the month. Maybe it's more something like, okay, well, what is our bare minimum goal that we know we can 100% make over the long term? So maybe that's, okay, I'm going to go to the gym for at least 20 minutes twice a week. If I go for more than that, that's fantastic. But at least I'm doing my bare minimum goal. So sticking to routines is one coping strategy that people use to deal with change. That can be difficult for someone with ADHD. So how can they tailor coping strategies to better fit their symptoms and ability? Yeah, absolutely. Routines, sticking to, like I said, we set these really 
insane routines and then we can't stick to them. And we meant it when we said, I'm going to do it this time. I'm going to stick to it. I meant that. But then goes downhill, uphill, all around the hill. Sticking to routines is definitely really tough. And like I said before earlier, is identifying things that have worked for you in the past and trying to kind of stick close to that. I'm a really big fan in the concept of body doubling and accountability. So body doubling is a concept where when you're in the presence of somebody else who is also doing something productive-ish, it helps you to also get in a state of working. But I also like to use body doubling in a creative way where the person doesn't even necessarily always know that they're a body double for me. So for example, I have a rule with myself that I can't have anybody in my house unless I've done the dishes. So if my my kitchen is a big mess, I will invite somebody over. So I will clean my kitchen before they come over. They don't know that they're having anything to do with it, but they are like body doubles. So enlisting the help of our support system is a really big help to help us with sticking to routine. So if there are ways that you can ask somebody to maybe go along with you sometimes, or maybe you commute with someone. So you actually have to leave the house or you actually have to go to the gym or you actually have to go for that walk that you've planned for yourself is a great way to help yourself stick to routine. Also, like I said, try to make it simple, as simple as possible and set your environment up in a way that is ADHD friendly. For example, I know that it is not realistic for me to say that I am going to constantly keep my spaces in my house completely clean. But it is a part of my routine that I need to clean sometimes. So what I've done is I've basically put up bins in my house at the bottom of the steps, and those are like my drop spots. So I don't have to bring it all the way upstairs and put it away. I put it in the plastic bin. I also do a lot of timed tasks. So instead of saying, I'm going to do this every day, until it's finished, I'll say, I'm going to do this every day for X amount of minutes. Because when we know how long we're going to have to do it for, it can really help us to actually complete it. Also having visual reminders. You know, if we don't see it, it's out of sight, out of mind. When we say, I'm going to remember to do that. As much as we really want to remember to do that, we're probably not going to remember to do that. So finding ways to set up those visual cues, visual reminders for ourselves to help us stick to those routines. And then not putting too much pressure on ourselves. If we lose track of our routine, instead of going and going in that self-shame cycle, just getting back on the horse. Routines are also a great thing that you can work with a coach on to help you find one that works for you. We don't need to find one. Just because a routine works for your friend who does not have ADHD doesn't mean that you need to do it the same way as them. If your morning is all over the place from by somebody else's perspective, that's okay because it's what works for you doesn't need to be a perfect routine. Now, heading into a slightly different direction, do adults with ADHD have any advantages when dealing with change due to traits such as craving novelty or stimulation? Yeah. So I think I kind of touched on this a little bit earlier when I said when there's something new and we start something new, we have that big gung-ho, I'm so motivated, I can't wait for it mentality about it. And I definitely think that is a strength. And I think that is a strength that we can learn to use to our benefit. So instead of creating something that is when we're making a shift, creating something that is going to be unrealistic for us to stick to after when the motivation goes away, we can take that initial motivation 
and channel that energy into setting things up in a way that is ADHD friendly. So for example, if you are, I like to say the first week back to school every year, at least for me, and I know a lot of my clients, I was always so pumped. I was like notebooks organized, everything lined up, everything together, writing all of my work and my agenda, writing, doing all my homework, reviewing everything. And then that would go away. But that first week I was on fire. And if we take that energy and instead we put it into, okay, let's take this motivation to rework things in a way that works for my brain that is going to last long-term. So finding a new way to channel that energy and that motivation. But yes, I do feel that it is a strength and we love to learn things and we love to do new things and create new things. And so that ability to have that initial motivation is definitely a really big strength for sure. And it can be an adventure. It can be an adventure, sometimes the most wonderful adventures. (laughs) But if you're someone who acts impulsively when you're faced with uncertainty or when circumstances are changing, now, how can someone reduce that risk? Yeah, so I think that definitely when we're in moments where there's a lot of change and that scaffolding is going away, it could be easy to kind of make impulsive decisions. It can be a lot, especially because our emotions tend to be running high in those times as well. When we are experiencing bigger emotions, our impulse control becomes even more challenging because sometimes our logical brain just goes away or not away, but a little quieter. And so I think having that self-awareness of knowing, okay, this is a big time of change for me. And working with a coach during these times, this is why it can be very important to work with a coach during these times and during big transitions, because it's somebody to talk to. It's somebody to help ask you powerful questions for you to gain more perspective, for you to maybe take some time and think through and stop and pause before you're making some of those impulsive decisions or you're just kind of going straight to it. Leaning on your support system is also really helpful and important. For example, with me moving, I'm in this point where I just want to buy everything at every store ever for my new house. I'm just like, I want to buy every piece of furniture that I see. And my boyfriend sometimes needs to be like, whoa, love the enthusiasm. Let's talk about this. And so for, for me personally, I basically have a rule that I have to follow where if there's something that I want to do, I kind of have to put a pause on it. So I put whether it's in the store, I have to walk around the store twice before I can actually take something, take something home. I got to put a timer on it for an hour or take a day, but I always have to put some level of time between the, the I want or I'm going to do this and the actual full follow through of the decision. So that's scaffolding that I've found for myself to be really successful. Again, that's not necessarily going to be successful for everybody. And that's where working with a coach, you can identify what might work for you in those moments and the best tools and strategies in order to kind of help you create that space between the initial impulse and actually making that decision or taking that leap. Now, I want to ask you to talk for a minute about more serious emotional kinds of issues that could come up with a coach where let's say a person comes to a point where they feel like they just can't do it anymore and they start thinking about doing unthinkable things. They may self-harm. They may express suicidal ideation to you. Are ADHD coaches equipped to deal with individuals in those kinds of situations? 
So the short answer to that question is no. An ADHD coach is absolutely not equipped to deal with individuals who are in that mindset and dealing with those more challenging clinical issues with mental illness. That is 100% a time and place to work with a therapist, a psychologist, and a good ADHD coach or any coach should be directing you in that way and if you are in that space and that mindset. Absolutely. Now, with that being said, once you have worked through or you have made progress on, you can absolutely work with an ADHD coach and a therapist at the same time. You just want to be making sure that those issues are being kept very separate because an ADHD coach is not the right, does not have the qualifications or the education or the expertise to be able to help you with those more serious mental health issues. Thank you. Because I know there have been people who are confused about that. But what can you do to help someone who says they know all the evidence-based strategies? They've heard all the tips. They've tried the tricks. They've tried everything that you might be advising them to try, but they still can't execute. Absolutely. How would you help them? I think when I think about ADHD coaching is we don't really necessarily do that much advising of you should go do this, go try exactly like this. One, people with ADHD like our own ideas so much more. So, you know, if it's my idea, it's awesome. And if you had the same idea, your idea, less awesome. But I hear this a lot where I have, I have clients come and they're like, I've tried everything and they've told me to do this. I've done the lists and I've done this and I've done that. And I was like, okay, well, first of all, there's a chance that a lot of the resources and a lot of the tips and tricks that you've been looking for haven't had an ADHD lens on them at all. Most of the tool, if you look up on Google or anything, how do I organize my bedroom? You're going to get a lot of resources and a lot of advice. Very few of it is actually going to have the way that your brain works in mind. So when somebody comes to me and they tell me, I've tried everything, nothing works, my response back to them is, well, have you tried everything in a way that where you've put your own twist on it? Because no tool or strategy is ever going to be one size fits all. And no two people are ever going to use the same strategy in the exact same way. And so I always say that when I'm working with my clients and I'm working with, you know, even groups, of, you know, kids sometimes. And I'll say, okay, now it's your job to take this and go experiment, make it your own, give it a go. If it's not working, try a different way. If it's still not working, try a different strategy. If that's not working, try another one. If that's not working, make up your own. I like to remind them always that they're the expert on their own experience. They understand what's going on in their brain. They have some type of idea of what's not working. And then it's my job as a coach to explore with them a little bit about, okay, this is not working. How can we completely, we're not gonna work on that. What's working in this one thing that you might think is completely unrelated, but things are a lot more related than we realize that they are. So I think that, It's also about just encouraging them to go back to the drawing board and use that creative brain of theirs that all of us ADHDers have and do some creating. Start throwing out the shoulds. We experience a lot of shoulds in our day-to-day life when we have ADHD, right? Like I should be able to grocery shop without walking around the store 15 times because I forgot something over there. But that's, that's not relevant. I don't, that we gotta throw those shoulds out And we got to start doing it in our own way, in a way that makes sense to us. At the end of the day, as long as we are 
healthy, happy members of society and we're doing our best and we're happy with where we're going, then we're doing it right. Now, can you share some tips or exercises to improve self-esteem in someone who says they've gone through life being put down by the people closest to them? Uh, This is definitely, it's a tough one, especially because people with ADHD experience a lot more criticism or corrections, one could say, even for, you know, little things from the time that we were very young, something like, oh, your handwriting is too messy or why are you talking so loud? Or why are you, why can't you just sit still? So those things kind of all compound into this. They have an effect. It's like the, you know, the death by a thousand paper cuts, right? It can take some time to kind of work some of those perspectives that we might have about ourselves. And it takes a lot of practice. It's an ongoing process. Sometimes it can be really easy to fall back into that negative self-talk. So I think that a great place for us to start is by analyzing the things that we're saying to ourselves, catching ourselves with the stories that we tell ourselves. Oh, I forgot that thing. I'm the worst person ever. I'm going like, well, that's not a really irrational response now, is it? I forgot something. I didn't mean to do it. I feel bad about it. So I really can't be that awful of a person if I feel bad about forgetting a pencil that I owe my friend. So a little bit of trying to catch ourselves in that negative self-talk and then perspective taking. I do a lot of, I work with my clients a lot on perspective taking and looking at what other perspectives might exist, right? So what other perspectives could exist in this situation? So, you know, there's a common challenge with RSD when we have ADHD rejection sensitivity, which is an extreme response to rejection or perceived rejection, which is why if we get even a credit, you could be given 20 pieces of information that are all praise. And then one tiny little, if you want to make it better for next time, you can try this. And that's just going to shred us into a million pieces. They hate me. They think it was all stupid. What was I doing? And a lot of times it can kind of manifest in that way. Doing some perspective taking and looking at other perspectives that might exist can be really, really, really helpful and really powerful. So instead of thinking like, oh, that person in the grocery store was definitely looking at me and thinking about how ridiculous I looked. It's like, okay, they could have been. They also just could have zoned out. They also could have thought they recognized me. They also could have liked my shirt. And just acknowledging that those other perspectives exist can help pull us out of that fixed mindset about this is definitely what's happening. There's a little bit of impulsivity with that as well. When you think about it, it's like I'm impulsively deciding that this is what they're thinking about me and I'm married to this idea now. Even though I have the ability to be so creative and imagine things and see all the different options, I'm convinced that my perspective is the 100% truth. When we take a step back and we acknowledge those other perspectives, you can find a lot more comfort in the fact of, okay, it's probably not the truth. And even if it is, it's just as likely that it's everything else as well. Well, Thank you, Brittany. This has been so helpful and informative. And as we come toward the end, the last question I always like to ask everyone, is there anything that I didn't ask you that you'd like to tell us about? I think that I'm always, I always like to come back to this idea of that learning and learning about your ADHD and learning about yourself and developing a life that 
you know, is ADHD friendly and where you can thrive and be yourself. Like it's a process. It's never going to be, I get an ADHD coach and I wake up the next day and everything is perfect. And it might be that, you know, get an ADHD coach and things get a little bit better and you, you're loving life and you're thriving again. And then another change happens and everything sort of blows up again. And that's okay. That's what life is. And also about remembering that just because you might be having a hard time or have challenges that people who don't have ADHD don't seem to have doesn't mean that they don't have challenges that you don't have. And so remembering that even though it might feel really frustrating and we can get really down on ourselves, that at the end of the day, as long as we're just trying to continue growing and be the best person that we possibly can, then that's all we can really do. And yeah, learning to manage and love your ADHD is a process and it doesn't have to be linear. I still sometimes have days where I'm like, oh, that ADHD brain of mine. And then the next day I'm like, yes, I'm so glad my brain works like this. So it's okay to have those ups and downs and you don't need to feel like you have to be in love with everything about your brain every single day. The goal is that you learn to have a good relationship with it, but it doesn't have to be this instantaneous magic moment. Everything, poof, everything is great. And to try not to put pressure on that, try not to put too much pressure on that and just allow yourself to be and move forward and where you put your energy, that's where you will go. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yes, thanks for having me. Thank you for letting me share my perspective and a little bit about coaching. And yeah, it was awesome. This podcast was sponsored by Takeda. Better health, brighter future. Thank you for listening to another episode of Chad's ADHD 365 podcast.